Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Welcome back to Your Family Dog podcast. I'm Julie Fudge-Smith, and I'm here with Tina Spring. And today, we have decided to talk about dogs for senior citizens. Because it's one of those things that if you've had dogs all your life and you're getting perhaps a little bit more advanced in age, kind of like I am, I just turned 65 this year and I can't imagine life without a dog. But does there come a time when seniors should be saying, no, I shouldn't have a dog? Or is there a time where you should say, sure, I want a dog, but I shouldn't get a puppy. Or is there a best dog for seniors? Is there a way for them to figure out what dog would be right for them and or have their family help them decide? Because it could be that you're looking at your parents and their dog at 15 years just died and they're talking about another one and you're thinking, I'm not sure that's a good idea. Well, that's the kind of thing we want to talk about today. Is it or is it not a good idea for seniors to get a dog? And if so, is there a best dog for seniors? So with that long introduction, Tina, it's up to you to expand upon the conversation. So I would say that the answer to every single one of those questions is it depends. And thank you for joining us today for the Your Family Dog podcast, because we really don't want to kick the hornet's nest of making everyone's mother mad at us. All right. So. Um, As an active dog trainer, I can tell you that right now our um, classes have a wide range of ages. Um, So I'm blessed to work in a community that is one of the top, I think, top 10 retirement communities in the country, as well as a college town. So we have a lot of variation in our classes and in our programming. And, And there are things that I see that work better generally for some families than others and things that tend to be more challenging. But I think navigating, like navigating, like how long should dad be driving the car, um, navigating this stuff with extended family and with our own families is a little bit of a sticky wicket, right? Because our heart wants what our heart wants. As somebody who is 53 and a half, My brain still thinks of me being, you know, I don't know, 34. My body (laughs) is in bold disagreement. And so this is something, uh, Christopher's in his 60s, like this is something we've wrestled even in our own household, right? Is Marco the last puppy that we'll ever raise eight years ago? So, and we faced it even with Dovey. So I've I've had Doberman pinchers much of my life. Typically, at least one of the dogs in our home is a Doberman. And my last Doberman passed away 12 years ago. And I was start and and my heart looks for him every day, right? That is that is just a breed that is near and dear to my heart. So I had started actually thinking, like, huh, do I have enough bandwidth for a puppy? And very quickly realized, like, no, no, I don't. Like, even though I am at dog training classes all day long, I was not in a place as a human that raising a puppy sounded like a really great idea. And then a year ago, someone gave us Dovey, who at the time was like an 18-month-old Doberman puppy. And we, and we took him and we have him and I love him, but I'm not sure it was, there are times that it's like, wow, this was like, maybe not the greatest decision in the world, even though we love him and he's not going anywhere. Right. Cause he's becoming more and more awesome all the time. So part of the decision to take him was me looking at Christopher and going, I don't, I don't know that I have raising a Doberman puppy in me. And this dog, I know he's been in classes with us. I know who he is. And he's a really nice dog. He's not perfect, of course. But I I know that he has a good heart and he's a good boy. So it's it's hard, right? Like walking a 90-pound dog, tough. 
I had to buy a new car and new crates to accommodate this enormous, goofy dog. Our fence had to be adjusted for the dog. <laughs> of course it did. Likewise, I see, I have, I have like the sweetest woman in the world in class right now with a schnoodle puppy. That's a schnauzer poodle cross puppy who maybe weighs four pounds. The puppy can get out of her fence because uh, she's little enough to fit through the aluminum fence. And the woman's desire is that that puppy will grow big enough that she won't fit. And looking at her in puppy classes, she's like 16 weeks old. And I don't know that she's going to get any bigger. And I see this poor woman like bending down and trying to do training with this itty bitty like six inch tall puppy on the floor. And that's kind of uncomfortable too. So I think it's an interesting thing to navigate. So if you were helping a family navigate it, what are some of the the discussion points that you would have on your list for that appointment? Well, it's kind of interesting. As you were talking, I was thinking about a client of mine I had several years ago who was a senior citizen, May, and she was just delightful. And she had a small dog, not uh, kind of maybe 25 pounds, you know, so not super small, but a nice sized dog. And I, it was a little mixed breed of some kind. And her daughter, who was a professor in Princeton, found me and said, can you help my mom out? Um, and I talked, she goes, oh, you're just the kind of person she loves. You're one of those Midwesterner sorts. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I am a Midwesterner sort. <laughs> so I go uh, drive up to Mount Vernon, which is not that far from here. And I meet May. And uh, once a week, I go and have tea with May. And we do a little bit of dog training. And I help her clean her house. And, um, you know, the thing that was delightful was that May did enough so that she and her dog got along. This dog was never going to be, you know, the perfect dog. He's never going to, you know, be a show dog. But he listened to May. You know, they could go on their walk. She could throw the ball for him for a little while. He liked to curl up next to her when they watched TV. And the other thing she did was she looked at me, she goes, Julie, I know, I think the dog's name was Henry. I don't remember for sure. I know that Henry without will outlive me. So I have already made arrangements for who Henry goes to. And I think that was one of the smartest things that May, May was a really smart woman. I just really, I miss her. She did die a couple of years later and Henry went to, I think it was her niece. But I think that that's really important for a person who wants to adopt it, uh, an older, uh, an older person who wants to adopt a dog is to think about a couple of things. One is size. I think that 25 to 30 pound size dog was just really good because he wasn't so tiny that May was going to trip over him or not be able to handle him because he was way too big for her, but nor was he way too small. It was just a really nice size. She also had reasonable expectations about what she wanted to achieve with Henry. What she wanted was for him to wait at the door where she opened it for him to go out into the backyard. She wanted to be able to walk with him on a leash, not a long walk, but at least around the block so they could, you know, sniff. He, she could, she could sniff. No. So Henry could sniff and that, um, you know, that he was housebroken. She had very simple demands, but it worked for her and Henry. Plus she had a very realistic timeline and I, and she made arrangements for Henry. So if I were working with a senior, like I worked with May, some of the things I would ask them is, what is it that you want to do with this dog? And I'm not talking necessarily about activities, but what kind of lifestyle do you want to have with this dog? Because when you tell me what your lifestyle goals are, it's going to be a lot easier for me to help you train in that direction and or find a dog that's going to meet those lifestyle needs. And also to talk about the fact that if you are 82... You're probably not going to be. I had one client also too. She was 78 and she adopted a chocolate lab puppy. And I had to have the discussion with her is you're 78. Do you, have you thought about who's going to get this puppy? Do you really 
I mean, do you think you're going to be here in 10 years? And it was a tough discussion. It turns out it was way, way, way too much dog for her. And she ended up rehoming it to, I think it was um, her son or one of her grandsons or something like that. Um, It was just an unrealistic dog for her to get because it had too much energy. She couldn't, she was just a petite little thing. She couldn't handle him physically. She didn't have any realistic goals for him. And she had, she just figured that she was going to outlive her dog. And I didn't think that that was going to be a realistic possibility. So for, for me, it would be, there are lots of criteria, right? Like how is our, and you've touched a little bit on those, like how, how's our health and mobility and cognition today? And let's say the average dog lives 16 years, though hopefully they live longer than that. Um, what's that going to look like, right? So it's the same thing, honestly, that I talk to college students about, right? So somebody gets the cute golden retriever puppy and he's, you know, growing up with all the fraternity brothers and they're allowing behaviors that again, in this dog's lifetime, the likelihood is this dog's going to have to be around other people and children and is tackling an appropriate game. That's going to be okay when that dog is eight years old and now there's a toddler. So uh, it's similar conversations about, it's not just about the decision that the heart's making today. It's about the future. Uh, In the case of our senior citizens, it can be if if and when the time comes that you can't physically or financially take care of this animal, then what? And it it's a fraught thing. I had a family, this is probably 15 years ago now, that they he was 91 and she was 89, and their grandchild bought them a husky puppy. Did the grandchild hate her grandparents? <laughs> That's a rough dog. Huskies are challenging dogs to begin with. So, so this was the sweetest husky in the world, but it's still a tiny husky puppy with really sharp teeth with two people on Coumadin. Um, and so nobody was trying to be a jerk, right? These people are beautiful. I love them. And so what we ended up doing, we contacted the breeder, we returned the puppy, and then we went to rescue and we found the most unhusky adult husky we could find that was eight years old and moved that dog in. And it was much more seamless. Like right. they had the dog that their heart desired without needle sharp teeth and toenails and having to wake up in the middle of the night to take the dog out. So and without all of the expensive burdens of, of having a young puppy and the teenager, the grandchild was involved with this adult dog. And the plan is that if anything ever happens to grandma and grandpa, the dog will revert to that child. And that that's who will, the child's actually an adult, but that 30 year old is who will be taking on um, that dog. So if they have the flu, she comes and gets the Husky and takes it home. And, and she's actually who attended a lot of the training. Um, and this was a really great dog. And we went to, I think, four different Husky rescues before we found the right dog. There, Some of the rescues told us no, because the family was too old, even though we had a plan. Uh, some of the rescues had, would have said yes and given us a dog that would have been an awful match. It took us a little while. What I see more of is like these heartbreaking cases where somebody already has a square peg in a round hole and it's not working very well. And we're having to, we're having to try to make it work. And that my experience is that doesn't always work so great. Right. And as, and as somebody old, like I love puppies, like we all love puppies. My heart's desire would be like, yes, I would love to raise a puppy. And then I'm like, but the reality of that's kind of rough. So, uh, and I get to see how, hard pup like I know how tired I am after a puppy class <laughs> that's different than living with one and and pretty regularly somebody from our puppy class comes and stays with us for a week when a family's on vacation and I have a puppy for a week and I was like wow I love you and you're awesome and I can spoil you and I'm sending you home so um size matters I think finances matter I think our health and cognition matter um I also think like our car matters like if 
if um, it has, to, there's a point at which it has to be a team effort. Like when our kids make a decision, it's a family decision. I think there's a point when our senior citizens make a decision that it's a family decision too. And even if your parents didn't involve you in the decision making, the kids in the family kind of need to get on a page together about, okay, if something ever happens, how are we going to handle that? Because that dog is part of the family, whether you chose it or not. And so having a contingency plan for what we're going to do, even if we don't talk to mom and dad about it, we just say, okay, if one day mom and dad both can't take care of this dog, what are we, what are we going to do? So I think that that is an important piece, even if mom and dad are not invite, involving us in the decision-making because it's a sticky wicket. Like, I don't know. I'm, I would I would I wonder how I would feel if my daughter was like, so I want to talk to you about your dog choices. Yeah, that would be an interesting <laughs> year. <laughs> well, what I was gonna say is I wanted to tell people that in the most recent issue of the Whole Dog Journal, the September 20, 2023 issue, is a article called Best Dogs for Seniors. And it's a really nice little article written by a senior citizen. And she makes a couple of really good points, one of which Tina made, which is take your time when choosing. And that's incredibly important, is take your time to choose the right dog. I think that's important no matter what your age is or your situation in life. Make sure that you get the right dog for you at that time for your life. But I think it's particularly important for seniors to really take their time and choose wisely. And she makes a suggestion that I really like. And she says, if it's possible, consider a foster to adopt situation from a reputable rescue organization. What a great way to find out if indeed this is a situation that we want to be in. So that you get the dog, you try it out for two to four weeks, however long your trial period is. And you're going to get a really strong idea about whether this is going to work or not. And it may not necessarily be, I mean, you might find out a couple of things. One is, yes, I definitely want a dog, but not this dog. Or definitely want a dog. And this is it. And so glad that we were able to have a little bit of a buffer period. So I feel a little bit more relaxed about whether or not we're going to keep the dog. Or it could be you learn, no. I don't think I want a dog. Maybe I just want to play with my grand dog on occasion. And, you know, that's the other thing is, is there are different ways to have dogs in your life. And it maybe it is that your kids have a dog. And if that dog is settled and you like it, that can sort of be the dog. Like do what Pina did. They go on vacation. You keep the dog for a week. You can have your dog fisks or maybe a couple of times a week. That dog comes over to your house and spends the afternoon. So there might be ways to get dogs in your life without necessarily getting your own dog. And that's something to think about too. But the other thing that I wanted to mention is not only do you want to work with a reputable rescue organization, you want to work with a reputable whomever, whether it is a rescue, a shelter, or a breeder. Because one of the things that you want is to work with somebody that has the right of first refusal. So that if you take the dog in six months down the road, it's not working out at all for whatever reason, whether it's, it's the dog is just the wrong match for you or something's happened. Maybe you've had a small stroke. Maybe, you know, you're, your spouse has died, or maybe you've moved and it doesn't, it's not working out. You want an organization or a person who wants their dog back. And that's really important is to work with a person or an organization that says, yes, um, we think it's fine that you have one of our dogs, but we want our dog back. And I think that, uh, yes. Absolutely. When when I put up my Christmas tree last year, I was 30 pounds lighter and healthy and good. And when I took my Christmas tree down this year, I was a cancer survivor and gained a bunch of weight through that process. 
and I'm still not feeling a hundred percent and can't sleep anymore. So I, I'm not, I'm not 88. I'm 53 and a half. So it can, it, it, it can change for anyone. It could change for a 34 year old, right? It's not about how old we are. It's about the bigger decisions. But as we age, those those changes, in my experience, tend to happen a little bit more quickly. Or if not more quickly, they can be a little bit more dramatic. They're a little, perhaps a little bit more serious. Yeah, right. Like a fall that breaks my hip is going to significantly change my life. It just is. So if all of a sudden I have a big financial burden because of cancer treatment, I'm going to have to start making decisions about my dog's health care and their feeding and their care and supplies. It changes the financial picture. Likewise, if I have surgery on my, if I have a knee replacement and now I'm having to navigate healing from that, it's going to change how much I can do with my dogs. Right. And if, and if I, again, size matters. So they're kind of, in my experience is a sweet spot of dogs somewhere between like 20 and 40 pounds probably that is big enough you can see it small enough you can still pick it up (laughs) yes that's a really good point that's the other thing to think about as i was just going to say too is that things can can change very quickly if you are a single senior right think about contingency plans for something like should i need a hip replacement or fall and break my hip or, you know, I just was thinking about one of my mother's friends who was in a hotel room and she had just untied her shoes and there was a knock on the door. The the front desk came up or something. She walked over to the, to the front door, tripped on her shoelaces, fell and broke both of her wrists. And now she couldn't do anything. Right. She couldn't even like feed herself because her wrists were both broken. Things can happen very quickly. And if she had been alone, how would she have managed any of that kind of thing? So if you are a single senior, make sure you have contingency, not just for when you might, you know, pass on, but, but should I get hurt? What's my contingency plan there? Cause I don't have a partner, a living partner to help with all this. So I think. That's actually pretty good advice for anybody who's a single who has a pet (laughs) because stuff can happen. Make sure you have that contingency plan in place. And again, like I think about Dovey and how to prepare him for who Christopher and I will be in eight years. Because he's likely to live that long. So, um in eight years, would one of us potentially have mobility issues or balance issues? Like I've started getting um, vertigo. So having a dog who doesn't pull on me on a leash suddenly becomes much more important than it was in my thirties where my body could take it. In my thirties, I loved playing tug of war with my Doberman pinchers at 53 and a half. I'm not enjoying it quite so much. It hurts a little bit. So uh, coming up with new ways for him to tug because he finds it super fulfilling is an important piece. Like I want him to be able to be the dog he's meant to be, but I don't want all that wear and tear on my body. Right. And and I get that. It's funny because I just turned 65 this year and um, I actually feel like I'm in some of the best shape of my life because I've been working out with my trainer for five, six years now. But my husband keeps talking about the fact that Clementine's probably going to be his last dog because she's just turning, I think it's four this fall. So she's going to be around for a while. But if she's around for another 10 years, that's going to put us at 75. And the idea of getting another dog at that point, I don't know. I I, I just, the idea of not having a dog is, is almost incomprehensible to me. But on the other hand, as our dogs is through attrition that we lose dogs, maybe that is something that I need to consider because are there other things? I mean, I'm retired and um, Brad's talking about retiring in a couple of years. So I mean, we already travel a lot. If we want to travel a lot more, is it really fair for us to 
add yet another dog into our life. So these are also things. That's why I want people to think about what is your lifestyle going to be? How do, how is your dog going to fit into your, your current lifestyle? Right. That's one of the considerations. I had quite a few retirees who got puppies during COVID because they weren't able to travel. So they were like, hey, this is like they just pivoted and said, okay, well, we're going to raise that last puppy because we can't travel. So we'll be doing this with this puppy now. And now they're starting to travel because the world's opening up a little bit and that's working pretty well for them. But in the meantime, they now have, you know, almost a three-year-old dog. So they were able to do that work during kind of when everything was shut down. So the, I, I would say, um, finding reputable animal providers can be difficult. It can, like, I want the dog needs to be temperament tested in my opinion and evaluated for safety and health. Likewise, again, people, I mean, it shouldn't be harder to get into college than it is to adopt a dog, but it's a match that matters because again, how many more dogs am I going to have? So do I, do I want to have a dog that's not a great fit as my last dog? Probably probably not. So there are, um, this is where a purebred breeder can actually be a really big blessing or a really big curse, right? Having someone who's advocating for you and your family, as well as the animals in their care is a big deal. Most breeders have adult dogs that are already trained, already socialized, already house trained that are, they love them. They're parts of their family. Uh, but they're not going to breed them again. They're not going to show them again. The dog is an adult and is looking for a cushy retirement gig. And those are some of the best placements I've ever seen done. You know, whether it's a family with really young children or whether it's seniors that, that, and it may take you a little while to find that dog, but it, it can be a really, really great way to do some matching. And I've, I've done that with a couple of clients hooked them up with a, with a breeder who had, you know, a five or six year old dog that we're not going to breed anymore. And it just was a wonderful, wonderful match. And I'm glad you brought that up because that's the other thing I was going to say too, is, you know what, this might be the perfect time to think about adopting an older dog, adopting a dog that has a few years on it, you know, maybe even an, an eight eight-year-old dog, nine-year-old dog, someone who has a few more good years in them, but is not going to be living for another 16. This might be the time for you to share sort of that uh, retirement together with a retired dog. And uh, so I would say I would encourage seniors to think about adopting a senior dog. Well, and, and sometimes when somebody tells you, no, they're doing you a favor, right? The old Garth Brooks song of some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. It can be the case. I had, I had a sweet woman who called me a couple of years ago who was in her eighties, who had always had German shepherds and no one would sell her a German shepherd puppy. So she was super frustrated. She has no children. She doesn't have any surviving family. She's totally and completely on her own. So coming, once we were able to come up with what a contingency plan would be, along with her funding a life insurance uh, policy for the care and keeping of her dog upon her demise uh, or inability to care for the dog, suddenly we were able to get a very nice 10-year-old German Shepherd, right? We just, we adjusted things so that she had what she needed. And we did service dog training work for that dog. So her hearing wasn't great. We trained him to some audible alerts. So if the doorbell rang, if the smoke detector went off, he was alert trained for her. He had a little bit of mobility support. He wasn't a trained service dog. But if she needed to lean on him, he knew how to do that job. He would not pull on her for love or money. So we were able to do some really good training for him to make him an even better fit. He had he loved a retrieve. 
So we had some really nice retrieving work with him for some of the things that maybe she wasn't at the age where she wanted to lean forward out of her recliner and pick up, you know, the remote off the floor. He could pick it up and hand it to her. So uh, in, in his case, we actually found a really nice retired dog that had really kind of sort of been a service dog that the family passed away. So he went to his next family and we had a contingency plan. So um, if and when she can't take care of that dog, that dog is taken care of anyway. So that sounds great. It, you, when you were talking about the, the 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 playing fetch, it reminded me of our rebel, which was what we called our Confederate trenching setter. We were living in Virginia and Brad and and Emma were out jogging with her her toller, Molly. And Molly stopped and went, woof. And they looked down and there was this dog that was all caught up in the brambles and tangles in the in this Confederate trench on the Chancellorsville battlefield. So they brought him home. I thought that was great because we were having a dinner party that night. So, you know, why not bring home a stray dog? So anyway, Rebel ended up staying with us. And we don't, you know, he... We took him to the vet. He said he was somewhere between six and nine, and he had some tumors that was ended up. Anyway, he ended up having some surgery and so on and so forth. But one of the things that we found when he played fetch, I don't know who taught him this, but we were thinking it might have been an elderly individual because when you would throw the ball for him, he would get it and he'd come running up and then he'd leap onto the sofa right next to you and drop the ball in your lap. He'd throw the ball, he'd fly off the sofa, get the ball, run over, leap on the sofa, drop it in your lap. And I'm like, somebody trained him to do that. And I was thinking that would have been great for somebody who had mobility problems, you know, to have a dog who was going to to play like that. So you never know the surprises you may get with um, adopting an older dog. And we really thought that at that point that because he had he had teeth issues and he had various other things that we really thought we were going to have him for maybe six months to a year, give, give him a nice home until he passes away. Well, we had him for another six years. And so people would start asking me, well, how old is he? And I, so, so he, since he started out somewhere between six and nine, when after six years, I said, well, he's somewhere between 12 and dead. That's all we know. <laughs> but it, it turned out to be a wonderful wonderful addition to our family. I I just, it was my first experience with adopting a more elderly dog and it was enchanting. He was just a great fella to have in our lives. I am a complete sucker for those older dogs. Like, so right now, the class I taught today, one of the families has like a two-year-old, 15 or 20 pound uh, terrier cross who's lovely, named Wally. Shout out to Wally and his people. We have Portia the Mini Poodle, also people who are semi-retirement aged. We have Pepper, the Terrier Cross puppy that, or well, not puppy, she's probably somewhere between two and four, who uh, has been adopted by a young family, right? So, that there's and then you know Dovey was in there today showing them why their dogs are awesome so the you know they they all like the one family is young but the other three families like we're all older and have these dogs that are like between two and four that's an okay place to be for everybody who's in that room but nobody in that room has mobility issues one person does have a hearing issue and that family I will be discussing, hey, do we want to teach Wally some alerts so that if dad doesn't hear the smoke detector go off, Wally can help him with that. I've totally trained dogs to be diabetic alert dogs for family members that the dog's never going to do public access. It's just for at home because the dog lives with a diabetic. So, I mean, it's a really good opportunity. Like getting a dog for seniors, it. I mean, it's a really good opportunity to to truly give them a best friend that, you know, to, to have a best friend and a partner in crime. Right. Um, we have a, an elderly man and an elderly dog who walk together twice a day, every day in our neighborhood. And 
it is a slow walk and they enjoy it and they do it every day. And he stops, like they stop and talk to every dog and every person that they come in contact with. It gets them out and about and they have a really great time. That is wonderful. No, it's great, right? Like I love talking to them. And and when he's not walking, I always wonder, is he okay or is the dog okay? Right? So I I did have one family and this was really interesting and worked out really great. So I had a family that dad was older and was having some dementia issues and his old dog died. And the daughters were doing a good job of alternating who went over to help dad out. He was by himself. Mom had passed away already. And one of them got a dog that they thought would be a pretty good match for dad. And took the dog over, asked dad to help with daycare for the dog. <laughs> so the the dog was co-owned. So went over to dad's house during the day. And then, because daughter would go in the morning and get dad breakfast and get him his meds and get everything started for the day. And then she would go and pick him up at the end of the day, have dinner with dad, prep the coffee for the morning, give him his evening meds, and take the dog home. And they just alternated. So if dad was having a great week and he wanted to keep Fred, he could. She was totally cool with that because she's going to visit dad 16 times over the weekend anyway. And if dad didn't feel like having Fred in, you know, in the house, then Fred would go home with her. So that worked really, really beautifully, really beautifully. And and it was never. A, so dad had said, I'm thinking about getting a dog. And she just called me and said, how can we do this? And I was like, well, what about doing this? Like get a dog you want that would work with dad too. And so again, it took us like, I don't know, six weeks to find a really great candidate, right? Her dad has a tiny bit of dementia. And so not enough that he can't live independently anymore, but enough that he sometimes gets really frustrated so being able to pull the dog out of the situation when dad's having a rough day is is a good thing. I think that's a lovely, lovely solution. I had something similar to that. A friend of mine, um, her dad had always had bull terriers, and he decided he wanted a bull terrier, and he was going to get one. I mean, there was no two ways about it. And uh, he had found one, so um, she and I went and looked at the dog, and... It turned out to be a great dog. I really, really thought it was a lovely dog. The family couldn't keep it. Um, I can't remember why, but it was a legitimate reason. And so she ended up taking Jersey. And and uh, what we found was that it was just her father had an, an, enough of a dementia that he really couldn't effectively keep Jersey. But she ended up coming. She ended up keeping him. And Jersey would go and visit all the time, or he'd come over and spend time with the dog. And so it was a similar kind of shared experience. So he he got the um the experience of of having a dog again, but it was it was a rough transition to try and figure out the balance there. But they did come to a balance. So I think that that that's the other thing to think about that there might be creative solutions to helping those seniors in your family have that canine connection that they that they really want, but maybe are not in the position to manage that full time. Well, and I would say that's that is a piece of the puzzle, right? Being like offering to put the dog's food and some toys and some treats and some enrichment on a subscription that mom and dad aren't having to cover the full burden. So that in Instead of feeding a really low quality food, it, instead, we're making sure that that dog's getting great nutrition to help mom and dad be successful. Um, being a little bit, if you can, involved so that let's say mom falls and they're going to have somebody in to do the cleaning, the dog is prepared for having people come in and out. Um, I know as a trainer, I do see dogs who come out of a senior citizen's home that are really ill-suited to join into a family because training wasn't done in that in that original home. So, you know, dog is afraid, wasn't socialized, is 
antagonistic with strangers, has big resource guarding, is very anxious, a whole bunch of fallout. So making sure like that that dog is is provided for to be really stable and that we're helping. If again, if mom and dad are getting the flu, just go grab the dog and and help them and help the dog too. Also making sure that um, the dog is reliably house trained. That's one of the biggest issues that I see. Huge issue. And again, I don't know what it's like to be 87 and have to take a dog outside. And I, I don't want to judge about it, but that, that can be a deal breaker for a lot of people. So how are we going to, how are we going to make it work? Right. Right. And I, and I will tell you one of my, one of my clients in New York city, who was a senior had a fantastic answer. She has taught her dog to eliminate in her shower so that when the weather's bad or when it's dark outside or when she's not feeling well, the dog goes into the shower pan, takes care of business. It's easy for her to clean. Um, Solids go in the toilet and get flushed. Liquids get rinsed out and she disinfects while she's brushing her teeth and then she gets in her own shower. So it's thinking through if things change, which they invariably do, like what's our plan? What is our plan? So um, the same way that most of us are making decisions as, you know, people who are younger than 40, we start thinking about like, do we want a two story? Like how many stairs do we want in our house? <laughs> how much house do we want to have to take care of? How much yard do we want to have to take care of? It, that Those same kinds of calculations go into what kind of dog do we want to take care of and how much dog do we want to take care of? And life expectancy is part of it, right? It, bigger dogs are going to tend to not live quite as long in many cases. They also have, it's really difficult to tire a Doberman out in the house. Um, tiring out um, Mr. in the house is pretty easy. I could throw a ball up and down the hallway and he's down with that. He thinks that's great. So finding that right match is a biggie. Additionally, finding a match for a dog who then fits with the rest of the family. So if I always say the the dogs that we're getting in our retirement are typically the most important dogs because it will impact our ability to see our children and grandchildren. Because if the dog doesn't like kids and isn't obviously isn't raised with kids, that can end up being problematic sometimes. Yes, absolutely. I was going to say that there's there's no reason to immediately say either yes or no to a dog for a senior. Like, absolutely, positively, you can have a dog. May not be the right answer, but absolutely, positively, no, you can't have a dog is probably not the answer either. There has to be a balance in there somewhere. You need to be able to be thinking creatively about not only the size, the age, the temperament of the dog, but lifestyle and circumstances that may also make it a challenge, but also an opportunity to be creative. And that if you can involve your family, because they might have some wonderful solutions. I mean, I was thinking about the fact that um, our daughter got uh, an Aussie about a year or so ago, about a year ago. And um, she is, she was pregnant and has three children and it was a challenge. I mean, at one point she's sobbing. I don't want to do dog. Well, anyway, Rosemary has turned out to be a lovely dog. And every once in a while, if Emma has a really busy week, Rosemary comes over and spends an afternoon with Grandma and her dogs. And Rosemary is enchanting to have. And I, I really enjoy the afternoons when Rosemary comes over and spends time with us or we'll take Rosemary for a run or when they go and they, you know, they leave for a few days. I'm happy to have Rosemary, but it's, it's funny because in some ways, Rosemary is a lot like my grandkids. It's like, I'm happy to have her. We have a good time. She's a sweetheart of a dog and I'm happy to send her home. You know, I'm happy to have Rosemary go back because after raising Clementine, a puppy who was a challenging puppy, and I'm just like you, I'm not sure that, that puppy dumb is, is where I want to head again. And I know 
when I first thought that, I went, wow, I never thought I'd say that, but I'm saying that. We got Zuzu when she was 16 months old, and it was nice. It was nice not to have to go through the puppy biting phase, and it was nice not to have to go through the potty training phase. And um, so I kind of decided that, you know, an older dog is in some ways a very enchanting way to go, and it's definitely a possibility that seniors should be taking a look at. So with that, I also wanted to add that um, update on my book. We are in the audio production on the book, the audio version that will be released through Audible. We've got the final production, which I'm now going through and listening to and reading. So hopefully by mid-September, a little bit later than that, definitely by the end of September, we will have the audio version of The Beastkeepers up and going. So for those of you who prefer to listen to your novels rather than read them, stay tuned because The Beastkeepers will be available in audio very, very soon once I get through my final edit on it. Tina, any exciting news on your end of things? Oh, the okay. So, yes. I am going to ask the people who pray to pray and the people who don't pray to just send good juju uh, for I have to have an infusion in October that I did not well tolerate the last time it happened. And I'm supposed to have my um, what is a follow up to the breast cancer mammogram and ultrasound coming up and my body hurts in the surgical area right now with nothing happening. And it sound it, my brain is saying that this is going to be pretty uncomfortable. Uh, and also praying that, that, you know, there's no surprises. So I think it's probably pretty typical to have some apprehension, but yeah, I think it's weighing on me pretty heavy at the moment. So, well, we will definitely be praying for you at the Smith household. Well, I, and I appreciate that. And, and, and yeah, so, so the other thing, the only other thing I would add to this conversation about seniors is I don't want you to just think about yourself or your parents. I want you to pay attention to your neighbors too. Like this sweet little old man that I was talking about earlier in the, in the conversation there was a couple of weeks where I didn't see him. And so I kind of got curious about it and went and checked on him and he and the dog were pretty sick. So we were able to get him some support and to take the dog. We took the dog. Well, I mean, it's what we should do, right? We're supposed to love one another. So these conversations about helping out our parents or our grandparents, is not just about that. It, it's also about our community, right? It's about the sweet person who lives across the street who maybe you haven't seen for a couple of days. Um, that you're like, hey, it's I haven't seen, you know, the dog out with the person. And, and likewise, um, when he loses that dog one day, that's going to be devastating for him. Right. It's his best friend. They they're together all the time. It is his social interaction is with the dog. So get it. You know, somebody's going to have to walk with him. <laughs> so, you know, maybe I'll let him maybe I'll let him borrow Mr. So um, it's there's just like this isn't about just the seniors that are in your family. This is also about the seniors that are in your neighborhood. I have a ton of clients, by the way, that the sweet old lady who lives next door takes their dog for a walk once a day and they like buy her a $50 you know, grocery gift card a week, you know, a week so that she can, you know, she's a, the dog is looking forward to seeing her. She doesn't have to pay for a dog and she gets to hang out with the dog. So there's lots of ways to slice all of this. And I think that's a really wonderful reminder of the idea of community. I've been listening to Catechism in a Year with Father Schmidt, and we just finished the whole section on community and talking about 
know that that we owe it to view everyone as our our brother and sister and that you need to treat people with the same level of respect that you would treat i mean it doesn't mean that you have to um you know lay down to be trampled but you do need to to see each person that you encounter for the uniqueness and for their personhood that for those of us who are christians their embodiment of christ and when we do that that's when we begin to have much more peaceful environments and and much stronger communities so what a wonderful reminder you have given us about what community is all about. So thank you, Tina, for that great reminder. So yeah, like when somebody calls me and says, we really want a dog, but we're not sure it's the right time. I'm like, great. Which dogs that are close to you could handle having an extra aunt to take them for a walk and do vet visits? And I mean, you'd be, it's amazing all the places people can volunteer and interact with a dog and fill up the dog-shaped hole in their heart without the financial burden and responsibility of having a dog, right? Everybody who has a dog with separation anxiety would love to have somebody hang out and pal with their dog during the day so that their dog feels better, right? Their dog's not alone. So assuming all things being equal, that that dog is safe and appropriate around, you know, the, the senior citizen, that they can absolutely be a Nana for somebody's dog, which is great. Like that's a really great place to be. So they can do it when they want to and they don't have to when they don't. So please um, like and share, give us a, a rating and give us feedback about what you want to hear about on your family dog. Please share this with the people you know and love, including your vet, your, your trainer, because we'd love to make a bigger footprint in the world. Right. And you can contact us through our website. You can email us through the website, which is yourfamilydogpodcast.com. And you can email us through the website at uh, feedback at yourfamilydogpodcast.com. Or you can also email us directly at yourfamilydogpodcast at iCloud.com. So love to hear from you. Yeah, like if you have a topic, please just send it to us. We'd love to know what you want to know more about. Often it's stuff we get to learn more about too. Absolutely. And and there's nothing I like better than learning something new. So thanks for listening again. And we'll see you all next time on Your Family Dog. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.